You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. There's three spots in Luke I want to read to you because what we have in Luke 8 today, or Luke 9 today, shows up a few more times. And when the Bible decides to say something several times, usually it's trying to help you connect dots between the kinds of things that are showing up. So here's the first part. It's out of Luke 9. It says, Jesus called the 12 together, and he gave them power and authority over all demons— and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey. No staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money. And do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there. And from there, depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. First things first, the first time we see this passage, Jesus is talking to his 12 disciples, and he gives them instructions about how to do mission work. Go out, don't worry about stuff, don't worry about food, don't worry about money, you don't even need two tunics, trust God to provide for you and take care of you on this missionary journey, okay? Then we get to the next one. Why did I grab this one? One chapter later, Jesus has 72 disciples. Yeah, we know the 12 main that hung out with Jesus all the time, but there are plenty of other spots in scriptures where we see that Jesus actually grew missionaries and disciples and sent them out. So here's the 72 disciples, and this is an idea of Jesus sending people out to the whole world, because at the start of the Bible, at the Tower of Babel, when people are divided into countries, guess how many countries are created? 72. And so right here you have Jesus giving, Luke is showing us, like now Jesus is sending out disciples to the Gentiles, to all the nations. The 72 countries are about to, to find people that are coming to them. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he was himself about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, 
Go into its streets and say, even the dust of this town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. And then... Final one, ready? Luke 22. Luke 22, verse 35. And he said to them, When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said, Nothing. He said to them, But now let the one who has a money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack, and let the one who has no sword Sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. That's the scripture Jesus is quoting. He was numbered with the transgressors. In other words, he's telling his disciples, did you lack anything when you did it the right way? No, nothing. Okay, well, there's a prophecy that you're all going to transgress me. So do the opposite of what I said now. (laughs) For what is written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. Two swords is enough to transgress me. One sword would have been enough to transgress me. Ironically, I was looking at this in Luke. It just says, look, Lord, here are two swords. And I, do they go buy swords in any of the other gospels? Does anybody know? Because Luke presents it in a, in my mind, it's really funny, like, you don't need a sword. You don't need to do anything. But go ahead and go buy one. Oh, you mean like this one? <laughs> where'd, you, where'd you get that, Peter? <laughs> I, I just, you know, ready to go anytime. Oh, that's enough, I guess. <laughs> Whatever the case, right here you find that Jesus is, is found among transgressors, his own disciples, and their transgression against him is to do ministry in the opposite kind of way that they've always been called to do. Ministry is hard because it requires a lot of trust. Over the last few years, I think we here at 1208 have learned that really, really well. We got that word about renewal coming for us years ago when we were just in the teens during the pandemic, and it was like, renewal? That's like the last thing we could possibly even consider right now. How, how is God going to show up in any way as the pandemic is raging we don't know when it will end we're one of the small churches in jackson we're trying to do the right things but are we really going to pull through there's plenty of big churches around here and people are going to those and 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 we've tried to stay the course of preaching difficult themes and difficult times and living out difficult ways like we're going to be ones that survive that just doesn't seem like it and yet here we are today ministry is hard when you have to walk on faith. But Jesus calls his disciples to go out faithfully. Go out faithfully, do all the kinds of things that I call you to do. Go to towns, heal them, and uh, stick there and continue to do ministry and bring them back to my Father in heaven. Lead them to me so that when I show up, Jesus is sending them ahead of him to the towns he's going to go to. When I show up to those towns... You will have already set in place the the way for me to arrive. I'll just fill in the rest of the details when I get there. I will show them myself, the Messiah. And when you do ministry like that, 
it doesn't always pan out well. Jesus lost disciples all the time. In these passages, we see that he at least has 72 plus 12. But in other passages, it seems like he has hundreds, and he loses them over his teaching. In John 6, I think it is, Jesus is just preaching about his body being a sacrifice and that people are going to eat it like we've done today, that his blood will be poured out for them, they're going to drink it. And Jesus doesn't clarify that it's, it's metaphor, it's a material thing that will stay with us. And they're all like, we're going to eat and drink you? What is this cannibalism? We're out. And Jesus isn't like, oh, well, let me explain, guys, you missed the point. No, Jesus just like, look, you're either in or out. Whether I have to clarify or not, are you going to stay focused? And, and the other 12 disciples come up to him, and Jesus is like, what about you guys? You taking off? And those 12 disciples who are committed, even though they don't understand the metaphor, even though they don't understand the Messiah is going to die, they just have the faith that Jesus is the right one, and they say, where else are we going to go? And they stay committed. They walk the course. And I don't know about you, but I find that a lot of times, the Holy Spirit only wants to speak enough to give you nuggets about where you're headed. And that is difficult to do ministry in. We're always singing songs and praying prayers like, Jesus, just fill us up to overflow that we would do everything exactly as you want us to do it. But the only person who ever operated like that was Jesus himself, who said, when you see me, you see the Father. The rest of us, we have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had, but we have to work off the nudges. We have to work off our prayer times, like Jesus waking up early in the morning. Disciples can't find him because he's out praying, trying to figure out what the mission for the day is. When disciples come up, they think they know the mission. They think they know what God would want them to do. Yesterday in town, everybody was getting healed. People love us there. Let's go back. And Jesus is like, no, no. I've been praying all morning. We got to go somewhere else. What? What about all the fruitful ministry? Yeah, we're called somewhere else. To walk in that kind of faith, to do ministry the God way, that's, that's difficult. Because you don't always know what's going to provide for you up ahead. We've got some pastors in our conference. Uh, they used to be my pastors back when I lived in Westland. And they went from Westland, which was doing pretty well at the time, to another kind of bigger church. And then they felt this call upon their life to go to Detroit and start a church that had not been started before, a very uh, different kind of model. And so they and their family uprooted themselves, feeling a call to the poor in Detroit, went to Detroit, and kind of tossed out all the, the big vision, big church kind of style that they did before, and they launched what is now known to us as a dinner church. These kinds of things have been done in Seattle, uh, but we had never tried anything like that in our own conference. But Mark and Mary Kreiderman, uh, this married pastoral couple, gave up everything that they knew and trusted, walked into a, a thing that they didn't know if it would provide for them, and they just served the poor, bringing in dishes and watching tons of people start to show up. I actually got a chance to go visit it once, and the place was just packed out with all these people that they had built relationships with. And just like the pandemic brought an end to our dinner church style, so it also brought an end to their, their style. But they still continue to walk on faith, walk in faith, trying to ask God, where do we go next? Knowing that provision can sometimes be scarce when you're being experimental. 
knowing that when you're stepping into something new, you, you don't always know what's going to be provided for it. But if you sense that it's the thing that God's calling you to do, you step into it anyways. I think of a missionary named Brother Andrew who writes in his book, The Narrow Road. He tells a story of, of how I think he had to finish schooling. It's been a while since I've read it. But uh, from what I remember of the story, he's looking for the finances to finish schooling or something of that sort. He can't find it. And one day a check shows up in the mail. He's trying to be faithful to God. He's trying to do what he's supposed to do. He thinks that this could be the end of what he's trying to do. When a check shows up in the mail, if I remember, it's like the exact amount to the penny of what he's looking for. I've heard stories of like that before. Maybe you have had a story like that in your own life. How does that happen? We walk in faithfulness and we hope that God will provide for the kinds of things that he is trying to do. Why? Because the work is plenty, but the laborers are few. And if God sees people laboring in the kind of work that he wants to support, he's going to take care of that. And when we're faithful, even when things are falling apart, when the money's not coming in, when our hearts are in the right place, God sees that. And God takes care of the people that he's trying to do ministry through. God takes care of us. As a church, God takes care of you as you step out in faith when you don't know what's coming up ahead. But there are different ways of doing ministry. There's the way of following Jesus that says, let God provide, trust in him, step out in faith, don't take a bunch of money, don't take your knapsack, don't take all these things, don't step into a lot of anxiety, just go with the Holy Spirit and let him provide. There's that model. And then there's the model that takes violence. There's the model that defends for itself. There's a model that gets vicious. There's a model that gets hung up in the money and the fear and the anxiety. And that's the other kind of model Jesus talks about when he's about to die. That model in Luke 22, where he looks at the disciples and says, now it's time to transgress me. You know how you didn't need a bunch of money before? Yeah, we didn't need it. Go ahead and get your, your wallets out. Now do ministry that way. Transgress me. You know how you didn't even need two tunics before? You just trusted for provision. You know how you went to houses and though you had no food, people fed you as you arrived. You know how God took care of you in all those situations. Yeah, we remember. Well, don't do that anymore. Do it your own way. Step out with security and no faith. Remember how I never sent you out with anything like a sword? That if any kind of defense was going to happen, you were just trusting that the Holy Spirit was going to come alongside you to, to try to help you in those situations, regardless of what happens? Yeah, we remember, and we never ran into any problems. Okay. Well, now go get a sword. Oh, you mean like this one? Yes, Peter. And then you see Peter use that just a few minutes later. A few moments later, you see Peter pulling out a sword to try to defend Jesus when he's been telling them, this is not the way we do things. This is transgression. But once Peter finds himself needing to defend his Messiah, needing to defend his faith, his cause, his king, suddenly Peter becomes super Texas American with a gun in his side. And you see Jesus like, put 
that away. And when God disarms Peter, he disarms all Christians. This is not the gospel found in your security on your belt. This is not the gospel. Find the gospel in walking in faith. Find the gospel in a different way, in a better way. Not in all your defense, not that you can't run and try to get out of horrible situations, but sometimes you might face something like martyrdom, and that too is the gospel. You can walk in faith or you can walk in security. There are two different ways of doing ministry. And I encourage you to continue to step out in faith here at 1208 and in your own life. Americans love security. We love security. I, I know there's plenty of people that get by paycheck to paycheck, and it sucks, and it's not great, and it's difficult, and I'm not advocating for that kind of life. Like, yeah, we could probably use some more security than that. But then I run into people who are like, oh, I'm just really afraid something's going to fall apart. I got only $50,000 in my savings account or something. I'm like, what? <laughs> What's going to fall apart that you need $50,000? I mean, I guess it could, but... The rest of much of Jackson is living paycheck to paycheck. I have learned myself over the years that God provides. I remember when I was in Chicago, I've shared this story before, but I had a whole bunch of graduation money and I just would pray with the homeless everywhere I went and I'd often give them money after that, hoping that would help. And I just always was confused when I go back to my wallet, there was still money there. Maybe it was just for once I had more money in my wallet than I ever had, but it just, it always seemed like, wow, I, I feel generous, and at the same time, I feel like I'm being taken care of, even if this thing is not being repopulated at any point. I didn't actually think that was happening, but giving that money away, taking care of the people around me, that filled me up. Walk in faith. God will meet you in those places. Yes, he sometimes speaks quietly, he sometimes speaks in nudges, and he often doesn't lay out the whole plan. Renewal is coming. When? Why? How? What am I looking for? I'll tell you as you get along. Little nudges along the way have come up. We've seen that. But the whole thing not laid out. Paul? Paul knows what the point of his job is. He's, a, he's the apostle to the Gentiles. He's got to get out there along with those 72 others, and reach all the nations and bring them back to Christ. And so Paul keeps going around trying to do that, and yet he has to follow the Spirit's nudges. Paul thinks he knows exactly where to go. He's on his way to this other country. He's going to reach those people when he has a dream. Well, he says first the Spirit forbade him from going there. How did the Spirit forbid Paul from going there? No idea. doesn't say. But Paul knew in his soul, I cannot go to that country. The Spirit will not let me. So what am I supposed to do? God does not show up and lay out a whole plan for Paul. God just shows up with a nugget. He gives him a dream of a Macedonian man waving at him. He's like, oh, Macedonia, that's where I'm supposed to go next. Pack it up, everybody, let's go. And then Paul walks in faith to the next place. And he does it without the sword. And he faces persecution over and over and over again. There's a fun chapter where he writes a whole list of everything that's happened to him. But he does it the God way. He does it by following the spiritual nuggets. And as he does that, Paul becomes one of the most faithful people we know with 
the ability to write most of our New Testament and how many of the nations were reached through the work that he did as he boldly walked out to reach Gentiles that the rest of the church was still kind of edgy about. Is that really what we're supposed to be doing? Paul said yes. And it's a question. Would you be in this room today if Paul was not as zealous for spreading the gospel as he was back then? He really got a head start on the gospel for the rest of us. That's what God can do when we are faithful and we do ministry his way. That through 12 disciples, the entire world might one day be changed. So Jesus, we come before you right now and we need to know how to be faithful in our own lives, in our own ministries, with our own paychecks, with our own securities, with our own insecurities, that we might get a place, get to a place like you, Jesus, who, yes, you had uh, women, wealthy women were, were financing your ministry, but you also went from place to place. You found yourself homeless. You were born in an inn. You grew up as a refugee. You had no place to lay your head. Cities rejected you, and you couldn't stay there, so you had to go on to the next one. You showed us what it means to walk in faith. You showed us what it means to not always know what's ahead of us. That you walked into towns to find out that they wouldn't let you in. Not that you knew that ahead of time. And when the sons of thunder disciples wanted to go guns blazing and call down fire from heaven on cities that wouldn't welcome you, you just simply said, no, that's not the way we do things. And you did ministry your own way. You walked in faith. You walked in love and grace. And you hoped that the peace of God might fall in the houses that you ran into, that they might receive you. So here we are. We need your faith. We need those nuggets that the Holy Spirit will give us, those nudges to push us in the right direction. We want to see the renewal of what you're calling our church to, and we want to see the renewal of what you're calling our lives to. So would you continue to do that? And we thank you that we know you're already in that process because that is resurrection taking place in us right now. Thank you. Lead us. In Jesus' name. Amen.